Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. I'm Don LaGreca. Let's dive into a busy night in the NHL last night. Rangers double up the Penguins 4-2. to I think this pretty much ends any possibility of Pittsburgh catching the Rangers for third. The deficit is now 10 points. Rangers and Penguins play tomorrow night. I'll be on the call at the Garden. But even if the Penguins were to win that one clean, it's 8 points. Both teams that have 13 left to play would not play each other. So really, Pittsburgh's best hope, I thought, of actually keeping hope alive was to win both games of the Garden. They didn't last night. Gensel ties it at two, but then Kreider with a couple of third-period goals, including the empty netter, wins it for the Rangers, 4-2. to two. Now, Kreider's not having anywhere near the season he had last year when he scored 52, but backing it up with at least 30, because he got 30 last night, is pretty significant. He had never scored more than 28 goals in his career. So then he goes out there and scores 52. Now, you knew him scoring 50 again was going to be a pipe dream, but would he revert back to the player that he was before, scoring you know, 25, 27 goals a season? Well, he's got 30 with 14 left to play, so that'll put him on pace for high 30s, I would think. So again, not quite the season he had last year, but better than any other season he had besides last year and if he can be consistently in the 35 36 range for the rest of his career I think the Rangers will take it Zabanajad three goals in his last two games you know has 35 on the season is there a better player on the team you could talk about Panarin you could talk about Kane Kreider even Shesterkin Fox I think the engine that makes this Ranger team go is Mika Zibanejad. Their record's unbelievable when he scores. He's He kills penalties. He scores on the power play. Uh, he wins face-offs. There's just so much that goes into his game. Sidney Crosby with a couple of assists. He's now eight away from 1,500 points. Only 14 players in the history of the NHL have ever scored more than 1,500 points. So... Pretty significant out of Sidney Crosby. Uh, the back-to-back Devils-Lightning games at the Rock did not go well for New Jersey. They did earn a point last night, but the Lightning come in and get four of a possible four, winning 4-3. to three. This is a nice back-and-forth game. Colton scored a 16th, grew up a Devil fan, scores the goal, and it held up until midway through the second period. Tatar from Heeshear and Mercer tied the game up at one stamp coast comes back late in the second period to make it 2-1 and that stood until midway through the third when timo meyer scored to tie it back up at two and that was a huge goal for timo um to make it 2-2 and then stamp coast comes back he scores on the power play to make it 3-2 and then meyer comes right back on the power play himself and this came at 17:44. so with 2.16 left in regulation, the Devils tied it. So I guess New Jersey takes it. They get a point, but when you're trailing with less than three to go, I guess you're happy to get a point. Now these two teams will hook back up again in Tampa 
uh, coming up a little bit later on. So they're playing a lot of games together, three consecutive games, two at the Rock, and then Sunday they'll finish up uh, the, the season series. So three games in less than a week, similar to what Pittsburgh had with the Rangers playing three of their last four against the Blue Shirts, and then, of course, two in a row, both on the same site at Madison Square Garden. Avalanche hold on to beat the Senators 5-4. to four. Is it just me, or did um, Ranton kind of sneak up on everybody with his 45 goals, right? I mean, it, it, he's such a good player, but you know, I was writing it down in my notes last night, 45 goals for Ranton, and boy, that is a really, really good team. Uh, maybe one of the most interesting things that happened to me last night I do the pregame from the studio when the Rangers are at home so I don't have to spend the entire day at the Garden, and then I I drive over to the Garden, which usually is like a 10-minute ride. So I usually get to the Garden somewhere like, you know, 14 minutes left in the first period. So I listened to it run into the Garden, but there was a lot of traffic Thursday, so it was like a good, maybe seven, eight minutes left in in the first period when I got there. So um, I'm, I'm gathering all my stuff together, and I take a look, and I, I got to write down the scores for the first period, and I notice that there's five minutes left in the first period in Florida, and it's seven three Panthers. What is this? The first quarter of of a football game? Seven three, and at that particular point, it ended seven three at the end of one. All three goaltenders sucked. The two goaltenders for Montreal. I guess Montembeau made the start, gave up three goals on six shots. Allen comes in, gives up four goals on 12. So that was the first period for Montreal. But Bobrovsky made the start for Florida. He gave up three shot, three goals on, on six shots. So the goaltending was awful, but Florida gets a huge, huge win as uh, Verhage gets a couple of goals, Ekblad a couple of goals as well. So with the Islanders idle, they're not playing again until tomorrow night in San Jose against the Sharks. Here's where we stand at the bottom of the Eastern Conference. Panthers have 75 points, four points back of the Islanders with two games in hand. So the Islanders not out of the woods. Now they've got an obviously winnable game against San Jose coming up on Saturday. The Panthers are going to be taking on the Devils their next game. So the Panthers, I guess they're not going to play for a little bit. Let me just look this up here quick on what Florida's schedule kind of looks like as we move uh, – forward here with the Florida Panthers. Um, Yeah, so they take on uh, the Devils tomorrow. So the Devils will play the Panthers tomorrow, and then they'll play the Lightning on Sunday. So I wanted to get that straight with the Devils schedule. So they'll play tomorrow at home against the Devils. Then they're at Detroit, at Philly, then home against Toronto, home against the Rangers. Then they close out the month at Ottawa, at Toronto, at Montreal. That'll be back-to-backs. Then in April, at Columbus, home against Buffalo, home against Ottawa, at Washington, and then a real tough end at home against Toronto and Carolina. So it's going to be tough sledding for the Panthers, but the Islanders, you know, they've got two more games played. So let's take a look what the Islanders have. As we mentioned, they've got to finish up this Western swing in San Jose. Then they'll get a couple of days off, home against Toronto. Then back-to-backs, at Columbus, home against Buffalo. Then they're home against New Jersey at Washington. Then it gets tough for the Islanders. In April, at Tampa, at Carolina. Then they get three days off. Home against Tampa. Home against Philly. At Washington. Home against Montreal. So, the good news for the Islanders, they've got two very winnable games at the end of the season. 
but are they going to need him or not? That's going to be the question. So it's going to be fun watching the end of this season in the Eastern Conference. Bruins get back on track after losing back-to-back games. They shut out the Jets 3 to nothing. Is there a more underrated player in the NHL than Frederick for Boston? He's got 15 goals on the season, um, and it's a non-conventional win in the sense that Zaka scores, Nosek scores. So the Jets have 36 shots on goal, but Swayman gets the shutout. So Boston gets back on track. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Jets could be in a little bit of trouble here. The Jets have only won three of their last ten. Points in only five of their last ten as they're three, five, and two in that spam. They've got the final wild card spot with 79 points. The Calgary Flames, who won last night, beating up on the Golden Knights in Vegas. Can somebody explain to me why Vegas has so much trouble at home? But the Flames get a huge win there. And now the Flames find themselves three points back of Winnipeg. Both teams have 69 games played. Now, both teams have not set the world on fire, although Calgary's got one more win in 10 than than the Jets do. But Calgary trying to keep it interesting. And now Nashville, Nashville had a tough loss last night. They need every win they can get, and they fall at home to the Blackhawks in regulation 2-1. to one. Uh, Anderson scored his uh, fifth to make it 2-0. Uh, Josie scores late in the third period. Ended up being a meaningless goal with 25 seconds to go to make it 2-1. So Nashville misses a glorious opportunity to close closer to Winnipeg because Nashville's got the games in hand. They're, five, they're four uh, points back of Winnipeg with three games in hand. So they're 6-3-1 in their last 10. That was a tough loss again. They're creeping up on the plus-minus for goal differential at minus 3. So Nashville still, I've left them for dead so much, but I guess they're still alive the way Winnipeg is struggling here. So the Jets and Winnipeg are going to play each other tomorrow. So that is a huge game, and the game is in Nashville, 2 o'clock start. Huge game on a Saturday afternoon. If the Predators can win that game clean, then we're talking. You know, there, there's then there's a possibility of something here, because then they would obviously close within two points and still have the three games in hand. Now, really tough schedule for Nashville because then they've got to turn around and play the next night at the Garden against the Rangers. Now, the Rangers will also be in the play in the second of back-to-backs. They've got an eight o'clock start tomorrow against Pittsburgh, and then a seven o'clock start against Nashville. But Nashville's going to be home for the 2 o'clock start, so at least it's an afternoon start for them. But that's actually 3 o'clock Eastern time, so they'll get in fairly late and have to play an important game against the New York Rangers at the Garden. So that doesn't make things any easier for Nashville, who will then continue the road trip um, after they play the Rangers on... um, after they play the Rangers on Saturday, they'll go to Buffalo on Tuesday, then home back-to-back games against Seattle and then Toronto, and then on the road, Boston and Pittsburgh. So that is a beast of a schedule for Nashville. Um, but Winnipeg has kind of left the door open for them as far as Winnipeg, what they got coming up. Of course, the game at Nashville, they're at St. Louis, 
home against Arizona, uh, at Anaheim, at L.A., at San Jose, so they'll make the Western swing, home against Detroit, home against the Devils, Calgary, Nashville, and San Jose. So they got two games left with Nashville, and then they close out the season at Minnesota, at Colorado. So looks like Winnipeg's got a little bit of the easier schedule, but they're not really playing great hockey as we speak right now. So we'll see what ends up happening there. Kings, another win, 4-1 over the Blue Jackets. Los Angeles putting pressure on Vegas. They're just one point back of the Golden Knights for first place in the Pacific Division. Both teams have 69 games played. The Kings 8-1-1 in their last 10, so give them a ton of credit for the way they've played here down the stretch. And is it possible as we go to this week's top five, can the Kings crack the code and make it to the top five? Let's see. Don LaGreca's Friday Top Five. Number five. The Los Angeles Kings make it to number five. That's right. 40, 20, and 9, plus 13 goal differential. 8, 1, and 1 in their last 10. Two wins in a row. And it's 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 about different people every night. You know, Dowdy scored. Kopitar's having a great season for them. He's up to 26 goals on the year. I like this Los Angeles Kings team. I know a lot of Kings fans were getting on me earlier because they had played so many games, but they're starting to find their groove a little bit. So Los Angeles Kings deserve credit. I've got them for the first time this year cracking the top five. Number four. Number four, we are going to go dive into... Even though they lost last night, the Vegas Golden Knights are 7-3-0 in their last 10. They're trying to hold off a push from the Los Angeles Kings, plus 29 goal differential. Their goaltending has been outstanding so far this year. Carlson's having a really good resurgence here for the Vegas Golden Knights. I've got Vegas at number four. Number three. Number three, we're going to go with your Toronto Maple Leafs. Toronto Maple Leafs plus 46 goal differential. They've been outstanding at home at 24-7-5. 6-3-1 in their last 10. I've got Toronto at number three. Number two. I'm going to go with the New Jersey Devils. 6-2-2 in their last 10. Plus 54 goal differential is tied for second best in the NHL. Not in love with their goaltending. I'm not in love with how they play at home. Hughes still doesn't look like he's 100%, but the team just finds way to get points and they're putting some pressure on Carolina. Yes, I've got Carolina dropping out of the top five just because with the loss of Svechnikov is going to be difficult. It was a difficult decision for me, but Carolina out, New Jersey two. And now, of course, we get number one. Now, it's been a tough week for Boston. They lost back-to-back games for the first time this year, but for all the same reasons I've mentioned, plus 103 goal differential, only three regulation losses at home. By the way, only eight regulation losses away from home. You're going to see the Bertuzzi deal is going to really help this team. They're going to get Hall back, uh, which is going to make them even stronger the McAvoy, Carlo. I mean, the list goes on and on all over the place. Whether If it's not Swayman, it's, it's um, Allmark that's getting the job done between the pipes. It's going to be not difficult. Boston might go coast to coast here uh, as number one on the season. So that is our top five. So let's close it out with your tweets, shall we? At Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. Let's take a gander at David Hine. And he's going to talk about something that's right up my alley. 
David says, Bettman brought up that the league is not looking to expand, but did name drop Quebec City, Houston, and Atlanta. Houston and Quebec, I understand, and more favor relocation, but seeing Atlanta for a third time, that one makes no sense to me. Thoughts? I am with you. Now, part of the reason it didn't work in Atlanta with the Thrashers was because they were just completely mismanaged. Ownership was god-awful. The team died on the vine. By the time they left there, I think they were averaging like 8,000 fans a game. Atlanta is still a supermarket, good television market. I think the NHL wants to make it work there. Another Southern team. I don't feel that the NHL thought the Thrashers gave Atlanta its best shot. But no matter how positive you want to talk about Atlanta, Houston and Quebec City make sense. Of course, Houston has a heritage with the Arrows and, of course, uh, Gordie Howe. Houston, phenomenally populated area. Um, they, they love their football. They love their basketball. They love their baseball. It makes perfect sense. Quebec City's got a building sitting there waiting for it. I don't think the NHL has an appetite of adding an eighth Canadian team. But can we pump the brakes on expansion? I'm glad Gary isn't ready to really answer the question seriously. But the fact that he is answering the question, it seems like it's on the radar. Really? 34 teams? Really? Are we, do we need 34 teams when there's only 30 baseball teams? When there's only 30 NBA teams? Now, I understand that it's a very uh, expansive fan base because you do have you can tap into Canada more than you can anywhere else. Um, but it does it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, especially since you have franchises. As soon as as long as you have Arizona out there playing in a college arena, still trying to figure things out for for going on half of their existence. Let's be honest. Does it does it seem prudent to the National Hockey League with Arizona in the state that they're in, and I don't mean the state of Arizona, the financial state that they've been in for twenty plus years. Does it make sense to expand when you can easily relocate without having to change anything with um, the standings and the location of just shifting Arizona to Houston? They'd be able to stay in the Central Division. No harm, no foul. It just makes a lot of sense to me. Gary Bettman, um, Bill Daly, and everybody involved in the NHL can honestly and truly look in the mirror and say, without a shadow of a doubt... They did everything humanly possible to save hockey in Arizona. They don't have to feel bad at all. They did everything that they could to make it work. It just hasn't. Now, we'll see. I guess they're still just kind of playing it out. But, you know, Ottawa still looking for a new building. It's not working in Canada. Um, Are they going to be able to build something downtown? If not, I would think Ottawa could relocate to Quebec City. And same thing. They wouldn't have to leave the division. You wouldn't have to add another team in Canada to just shift Ottawa to, Can- to Quebec City. Makes perfect sense. So rather than expansion, let's see what happens with Arizona. Let's see what happens with Ottawa. Keep Houston and Quebec City as options for those two franchises. If they get their act together after Mullet Arena in Arizona, if Ottawa's able to, able to get the building downtown, well, then I guess those cities are going to have to figure something else out. Maybe somebody else will fall into some kind of financial disrepair, whatever. But that's kind of where I'm looking to go. And I wanted to bring that up earlier in the week. I'm glad that uh, David mentioned that. Uh, Brett says, New York Rangers seem to be turning a corner and riding the ship. Will be even better when Lingren comes back. What's up with Breadman, though? Seems to turn over a lot of pucks and takes a lot of penalties. Cost us two games in overtime this year doing that. 
course, he took down Malkin on Sunday in overtime. Um, Panarin is what he is, and even um, Gallant said it, although he talked about the whole team, this Harlem Globetrotters mentality of just thinking every blind pass is going to be completed, and I think Panarin's probably as guilty of that as anybody. Uh, But, you know, Lindgren coming back, he's missed his ninth straight game. Dave mentioned that he didn't think he's going to be coming back anytime soon, so probably not over the next couple of games, but they'll be whole. But I think Mikel has done a really good job uh, there. Um, I, but I do think they're kind of turning the corner. Need to see a little bit more. It was a nice win against Pittsburgh, nice win against Washington, but I need to see a little bit more to know that they've completely turned the corner. Sam Diaz says, has the league ever discussed extending overtime if a team is on a power play? Seems rather unfair that a full two-minute advantage would be realized when it's not the case during regulation. Good call. There's two things you can do, um, but I like your idea better. I've always felt like, yeah, if there's five seconds left in overtime, why not take the kind night? It's not going to cost you anything. There's no more overtime to play. Obviously, you wouldn't do that in the playoffs because they extend overtime. But what's to stop you? Even with 30 seconds to go, it's better to take the guy down than to uh, cause a chance for a power uh, for him to get an opportunity. Um, at the very least, I always felt that the player that's in the penalty box should be ineligible to participate in the shootout. So uh, so that way, that at least costs them something, especially if it's a significant player that would have been an option. Um, why not? Like, let's say Panarin took that penalty against Malkin with, like, five seconds to go in overtime. Well, then Panarin wouldn't be available for the shootout. That would hurt the Rangers, right? Um, but I like your idea. You commit a penalty with 30 seconds to go in overtime, then guess what? We're going to play a minute and a half longer to see the power play through. I, I would not mind that at all. And I don't think it would really affect the ice either. Either. Mark says, Don, who's your pick or picks for the Stephen McDonald Extra Effort Award? And what sort of things do they use as a criteria? Well, and it is what it is. It's the extra effort. Usually goes to the player that had the best season, went above and beyond uh, everything that he's been asked for. Say again, Anthony? It's also a fan vote. It is a fan vote. Um, Who's going to win it? I'd say Mika. You know, Mika, to me, I think he's pound for pound the best player. He's had an amazing season, leads the team in goals. Maybe Lindgren. Um, ah, I just, he's missed too much time here, Lindgren. Fox has had a, a good season, but maybe not um, complete to his standards. I think Miller's had a terrific season as well. But when you look at it, it to me, I think it's an easy choice, and it's going to be Mika Zibanejad just having... A phenomenal season is the heart and soul of the team. Uh, Tom says, if the Rangers get locked into the third spot in the Metro, which of the two teams, uh, Devils, Canes, would be the better matchup? I think the I think the Hurricanes would be the better matchup. They beat them two times during the regular season. Uh, there's not a lot of finish on the Hurricanes. I mean, they've got a lot of speed. They spend a lot of time in the zone, but they don't have like anybody that's going to go out there and score 50 goals on you. <laughs> um, their goaltending is always a little bit in flux. Um and also, uh, you know, Svechnikov, that's a big loss. It, it really is. So, listen, pick your poison. I think both teams are going to be tough in the first round. Um, I do think there's something to wanting to play New Jersey just because they're so inexperienced in the postseason. Could they be a little overwhelmed by the moment going up against the Ranger team that's got a ton of experience, especially adding guys with cups like Tarasenko and Kane at the deadline? But from a pure X's and O's matchup standpoint, I would have to say it would be the Hurricanes. Michael says, when it's all said and done, do you think Chris Kreider will have his number raised to Garden Rafters even if he never wins a cup? 
there are a lot of guys up there who never won it either. He's still relatively young, but Chris Kreider is going to have a lot, and I mean a lot, of uh, records um, offensively for this franchise when it's all said and done. Um, and I know like a lot of Ranger fans were like, really, Chris Kreider? He's the longest tenured player on the team. All right, He was a part of the 2012 Stanley Cup Final, um, part of the 2015 President's Trophy winner, um, obviously part of the run last year. He's a 50-goal scorer. There's only two other, uh, only three other players in Rangers history who's ever scored that many. Uh, he's got 259 goals, so eventually he's going to probably, if he stays healthy, finish with the most goals ever by a Ranger. He's got 470 points. He's going to have well over 500. Um, a, a couple help, but at 31 years old, if he spends his entire career here, and we're talking about a guy that scored north of 400 point goals, eight, 900 points, I mean, I, yeah, I think his number 20 is going to be retired. There's something about playing your entire career as a Ranger and being a part of something, and I think that if they ever did win a cup with him, I think that would lock it down. I'll ask Anthony Pusick. He's a big Ranger fan. Do you think he's on a trajectory to absolutely get his number 20 retired when he's done? There's a lot of guys that aren't up there. I know everybody says there's a lot of numbers up there. There's also a lot of guys that aren't up there. Um, I don't know. I'd say on a trajectory, yes. I'd say not yet, though. Well, who doesn't? Who who do you think deserves to have his number retired outside of the Cooks and the the guys from the the early Rangers that they just completely ignore? Um, who who has not had his number retired? I'd say Brad Park. Well, Brad Park for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Brad Park for sure. But from a forward standpoint, there's not many. I mean, you've got and, and Hatfield, you've got that Graves. he's already up there in terms of, of of ranking. And if he's a forever Ranger, I'd say almost definitely. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just not appreciating how good Kreider has been um, over the years that he's been here. Well, I mean, he's going to be a compiler for sure. But you know, if he plays another five, six years and scoring thirty plus goals and I don't see any reason why not. If Hatfield could be up there, if Graves. Now, I understand Graves won a cup, and Hatfield had 50 goals. So did Kreider. Kreider's played in the Stanley Cup final. Um, maybe he has a chance to win a cup. I think a cup definitely would solidify that. Um, why not? You know, And Mika's number could possibly get there. Do you realize Mika Zibanejad scored his 200th goal as a Ranger last night? It's the second fastest in franchise history to score 200 goals as a Ranger. you got to go back to Bill Cook. The last time the Rangers scored 200 goals that quickly, um, but like obviously scored a lot of goals in Ottawa before he came to the Rangers. But I think Mika, this generation of Rangers, right? Like Hank has already had his number retired, but that's the previous generation of, of this current crop of Rangers. And let's see where they go. The Mikas and the you know Fox is obviously somebody that can be in line if he continues to play the way he's playing to get his number retired. But. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a very interesting conversation. I do appreciate the tweet. All right, it was a lot of fun getting you a uh, top five, getting to talk to you, interact with you guys. I'll have the call with the Rangers and the Penguins tomorrow at 8 o'clock. Coverage will begin at 7.30 on 98.7 ESPN New York. I'll also have the call of the game on Tuesday at home against Carolina. Rangers also are wedging in a game Sunday night at the Garden against the Nashville Predators, finishing up this five-game homestand, their longest of the season on Tuesday against Carolina. So thanks to Anthony Pusick. I know he's got a lot going on there. A lot of balls in the air, so we appreciate that. We'll talk to you again on Monday. Hopefully we'll hook up with EJ Raddick. Enjoy your St. Patrick's Day. Enjoy your weekend. We'll talk to you again on Monday. This was the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.